1: Archons, hailed by some as God, respected by others for their wisdom, born, or perhaps created crucible, a world in which anything is possible. There is knowledge hidden in the deep vaults, and many of those secrets can be learned through (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right guys what's going on I am the one, the only the W-O-O-K-I-E bringing you guys another episode of the arcades corner and I'm, I'm making this a habit I keep bringing people into the show, I you know I, I do a solo show for the most part, but uh, I keep finding people, and I kind of for this episode wanted to get uh, somebody on number one who was kind of there, um, and number two, maybe just a secondary opinion on it. So for this episode, we've brought in Kira Mode from the Bouncing Death Cork Podcast. What's going on, Kira Mode? I feel great, I'm very available. Very of him in more ways than one. I don't know, I don't know, how, to, I don't know how to put that. Well, well, every way except for with
3: my girlfriend involved, right? Yes, that's what uh, I tell so everybody you, too. You, you happen to message me right as my girl's having a girls' night out, so I'm just sitting at home watching the NBA
2: playoffs. Oh, so it like, totally like just happened to work out. Yeah, yeah, worked out very well. And uh big apologies, not really apologies, because we're gonna get Brooks on. Um, unfortunately him and I were supposed to record an episode last night. Uh unfortunately your boy Wookie ended up in the hospital. Um, I have pinched a nerve in my back and then my decided my back decided to start back sabasming. So Hey, well also uh Brooks is the one that put me in the hospital in the top four. Oh, well, so in that right. way. Got it, got it. <laughs> so but big congrats to you. You were top four, correct? Yeah. I uh, was I thought it was top four. I couldn't remember if it was top four or top eight, but big congrats on the top 4 finish. And the big thing that I guess we can take away from the Denver Vault tour and no it wasn't it wasn't library access nepseed being kind of snubbed um out of existence for the time being and it was teams. Teams are starting to form and this caused kind of a big controversy throughout well the Keyforge community. You saw it in your Discord chats. Uh, I saw it on Facebook. Uh, Twitter kind of blew up for a small time. Everyone seems to want to talk about this. Teams, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And and a lot of guys. Number one, I got to ask you uh, if we can veer real quick. Where do you guys get your shirts made? Oh, um, so I played this game called uh, Dragon Ball Super. Okay. So a little bit.
3: and And there's a team there. They're called a Scouter Report, and they were back in my hometown in Seattle. Uh, so they made some really great jerseys. And I, and I was like, man, these are nice. And so when we're thinking for us, like, hey, we should have a way to identify them ourselves. We didn't want to just get, like, regular shirts. So I was like, if we can get the jerseys that the Scouter Report guys had, that'd be great. And it's like, it's this company called, like, Owayho or something. Like, okay. I, I don't know. I, I I actually don't remember the name, but it, if you look up the shirt that we have, it says it on the side. Mm-hmm. Um and basically what you do is you can put images as you want in the shirt. So they have a whole bunch of designs. I designed ours to look like soccer jerseys. And so the way soccer jerseys work is you have like your big sponsor in the middle, you have a little patch on the top left corner for your own symbol and then you might have your name on the back. And I'm like that would be cool if like Keyforge looked like our sponsor, right? So I put the big giant Keyforge letters and you know you could just find images online, you, you put them on there. Um, it does cost a little bit more, right? So uh the cost of the jerseys, they cost eighty bucks. Ooh. But we're also like, but we're like, you know what, we're gonna be going to multiple vault tours. Um, it'd be good to wear something every time we stream. And it's a one-time purchase, right? We're not like getting mountains of these boxes and trying to sell them like it's not a for-profit thing. It's like, okay, there's a couple of us, let's splurge, have fun, you know, because then it's also like memories too you know mm-hmm. because like this game's not going to last forever so if we stop playing this game in 10 years we'll still have the jerseys you can still wear them they still look nice and we thought okay that
2: that'd be like a cool thing for us to to just have yeah you know? cuz i was looking at them i was like i was like more obviously the designs pretty nifty but i'm like that's like that under armor type fabric that they use and, and even those soccer jerseys use that same kind of typical yeah fabric and i'm like i i've only ever had one made and that was when a company was trying to get me to go with them for my merchandise product. Yeah. And it just I was like, nobody's gonna buy a fifty dollar t shirt with my logo on it. Like that's just that's far too much. So I, I have, yeah, you know, the fifteen exactly. that that they sent me as like i with testers or whatever, you know, kind of just original concept ideas they sent me. But uh beyond that I never really went too far. But I'm like, oh, if somebody found a reasonably priced shirt like that that would be something that i would be very interested in
3: yeah you can drop the price of it if you get if you get exact copies right so if we wanted to have our shirts not have names on it Mm -hmm. and you get the exact same one if you order 10 or more it drops down to 50 bucks oh i didn't even see they had names on it uh, on the back they do oh that's how some people came and noticed me like i'm I'm walking around and they're like oh you're kira mode because like they, they could tell the logo but they they might not know which one I am and sure. they're like, oh okay he's, he's that one cool okay I can it's very easy entrance for people to just introduce themselves yeah we work, say, we work hey, in I a hobby
2: where faces aren't rec- aren't uh, the first thing you recognize <laughs>
3: yeah uh, but I mean it's again it's just for fun uh, the the big thing
2: for us is we're like, okay we're
3: not making money off this mm-hmm. right this is all for fun so if it's just for us, let's splurge a
2: little right yeah. that, that that was kind of how we looked at it um and we'll, we'll wear it for a while you know yeah they look nice they look comfy i'm I'm all about it but let's uh kind of get back into the whole team aspects <laughs> yeah uh, the the good the bad and the ugly and you know i'm gonna let you kind of start uh as to where we are you and i have both done uh, multiple different games i'm sure in a competitive <laughs> fashion so yeah. what do you think about KeyForge and the teams starting to form
3: I think where people's uh, concern for teams is, it, it mainly comes down to uh, secrets, right? I, I think that's what it really boils down to. So in other card games, typically you'll have teams form. And what will end up happening is like, OK, so like, let's, say, let's say Bouncing Death Quark is a team, and we're playing Magic or something, right? Um, we're only going to show what we have cooking to like, our subscribers. Right, so we're gonna say, oh, Bouncing Death Park is now a pay ten dollars a month thing if you want to listen or hear us talk. But the meta's constantly changing, right? If you want to know what the next uh, red deck is or the next blue deck or something, you want to see what we what our secret tech is, you're gonna have to pay us money, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of how it starts, right? Like the way it starts is, oh, we're just doing it for fun, but now if you want the secrets, you pay money. So I think some people they get triggered off that. They're like, ah keyforge is going into that realm, right? If I, I want to be good at keyforge, I'm going to have to like pay everybody all this money to get all the deck secrets.
2: And right? and to be fair, that is a very scary realm. You know, for the for exactly. the people that are worried about that. No, it is it is a scary thing to think of because a lot of us got into this game as an alternative to a, a different game mm-hmm. that maybe did cross that edge.
3: Yeah, and then and there's another concern too. So the other concern is, it's not just that, oh, I have to pay money to get the secrets. It's also, even if I pay money to get the secrets, they have a second level of secrets, right? So like me and Dameron, we might say, okay, we have these 10 different deck ideas, right? These different deck types that we could share. We'll give eight to the public that pay us. And then we're going to keep two for ourselves. And when Gen Con rolls around, we're killing everybody.
2: Yeah, right. Absolutely. So like,
3: that would, that would, that oftentimes happens, right? You'll have a, there's going to be a meta that everyone thinks is kind of set, and then you get to a big tournament, and all of a sudden, these teams roll in, and they're all with the exact same deck, and they just start slaughtering everybody, and one of them gets hot and wins the, and wins the tournament, and then you're kind of like, if I'm just a regular player, how can I compete, right? I'm not part of this clique. I pay the money, and it still doesn't matter. Right? So that's really where I think people's concern for teams come in, where they think, I don't want to go down this path. I've seen where this goes in other games. This is a bad that that that's the concern, I think.
2: And I think there's a, a secondary level of concern here too. Um, and I'm not saying you're. I think your point's very extraordinarily valid. Uh, but I think the second level comes. We've watched Magic, and I wanted to. And I I don't mean to pick on Magic, but I'm going to because I think, I'm okay with that. I think that's where <laughs> we look at teams like Channel Fireball, and um, I'm trying to think of other ones, but that's the one that comes to mind. Uh, right away and channel fireball has been known to do a little cheating now and then with certain hand signals oh, yeah. and helping teammates <laughs> out and you know what we're making uh, yeah kind of I know the most recent and this is probably about six months ago now we talked about hand signals at the GP mm-hmm. and you know hey I'm letting my teammate know um he's doing this or this is pro- you know, here's the cards that in his hand. And it's not an, un- I don't think that again is an unvalid fear just due to the fact of it has happened. And it's again, it's not unvalid because. No, that's fair
3: because also there's scouting involved too.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: a, you know, there, there's this thing where like, let's say you're by yourself at a tournament, but I'm there with like seven people that I know. What's going to happen is if I have a secret deck and you have a secret deck, my deck is probably not going to be discovered by you unless you play me, right? So if we play in the cut, you don't know what I'm playing, and then I can hit you with my secret deck. On the other hand, if your deck goes up against any one of my six friends, they're going to go tell me about it immediately. So then if we play in the cut, I know what your deck is, right? So there's that kind of like... Now, that, that's not as relevant in Keyforge because all the decks are open. Right, But you can, you can still, go online and find That's it. a, it's like another part of teams, right? It's like... the 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 concern is if i'm not part of one of these teams how can i compete right that that's really what it comes down to i think right like these guys they just have so many advantages either because they're cheating or they have secrets or you know they're gaming the system together like i think that's where people's concerns are
2: and and i think that's again both very fair and valid and when we get into teams there's there's this modicum of teams closed we're not accepting any more people and that always becomes very clicky. And yeah, just as exactly. human nature becomes, whenever you're like, well, I'm a part of this, but you're not allowed to be, that's going to
3: upset people. <laughs> like,
2: that's that's normal yeah. human nature.
3: Um, so uh, myself and Kodama, we haven't talked at length of this, but we, we have an idea, which is so like Bouncing Death Quark, we try to think of it more as a community. So obviously, you know, the two of us are at the head of it, right? And, but on the other hand, like if people want to fly our banner, we won't deny people the ability to do that. We may just want to make sure that you're qualified.
1: Right. Right. So we may, not,
3: we may not want anyone to represent. My thought is like, uh, we haven't fully fleshed this out again, uh, but we might have some sort of testing. So it's like, hey, if you're in our Discord and we see you regularly contributing, maybe you just got to play like a best of seven series against one of us. And if you hold your own, then we'll say, hey, you represent us, right, or something. Uh, but we do have intentions of, of, like, growing, not necessarily growing in the sense of, like, we don't want to have, like, 15 different people creating content for us, but in the sense of saying, hey, look, if you want to be part of our team, you want to fly our banner, you like us enough, and uh, we think you're competent, then you can fly our flag too. You know,
2: uh,
3: we, we, we want it to be more open.
2: In that sense. Sure. And,
3: and like I said, we don't want it to be clicky. That's not fun.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think we've kind of, we've, we've gone over this now. I think we gave kind of like the Cliff Notes version of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I feel like we've delved into a good chunk of the fears from a lot of different yeah. people. And Yeah, let's talk about the fun stuff. It, it, it's <laughs> and I just kind of, I guess I want to kind of put a bow on it here at the end. Um, mm-hmm. As far as a lot of the fears and concerns and everything else that we got going on right now, Look, taking a look, right now, I don't think that is a fear or concern um, that is valid. Mm-hmm. But looking forward into the future, could it be something that could become a problem? Absolutely. Um, possibly. I, I am not as concerned, primarily because, okay,
3: so in the example of like people hiding deck lists, mm-hmm. Keyforge, well, you're, you're going to have to hide an entire deck type. You know what I mean? So, like, let's say I have like this like perfect deck constructed in my head. Um, someone else is gonna figure it out. Or if I have one deck, I can't give that same deck to five other people. You know, like I'm gonna have to find similar versions of it. Like, it's actually just really hard to find two decks that are exactly similar in what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So that shouldn't theoretically be as big of a deal. Open deck list is nice for scouting. Um, but yeah, I I would still be concerned that. Uh, the the bigger concern I would have is more of what happens if like all the good players just play each other, right? So what happens if like let's say me and me and Codamon right now we play on the Crucible against randos all the time. Sure. Right? What happens if we just say you know what, um, I don't want to play against people because I don't want them to see what I have. So we're just going to play against each other in private games all the time, and maybe we'll have like three other people we play with, and no one is going to see us play. Uh, that could be a, more of a problem because then like you said, it gets more clicky. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point, but I could see others potentially getting to that point, and that'd be unfortunate if it gets there.
2: And, and like I said, I think for right now, I don't think there's much there's much note to the concern of teams. Now, could it yeah, also, could it become there? It just, sure, it could possibly. Okay, but let's let's defend teams because teams are fun. Right, it, it is cool that you
3: can say, oh. That guy made the finals, or that guy made top four, that guy's in top eight, and here's his show, right? So you, you, can, you can look at that and be like, okay, let me see if, the, if what this guy's saying is legit, right? If you want to become a better player, you can get readily information from people that are on teams because almost everyone that's on some sort of a team has some sort of content, right? Either articles or YouTube or podcasts or something. So like, for example, uh, Coreython, he won. He made Dex of Keyforge. And he organizes the NetDeck tournament, and you've heard him do an interview with CoDameron in one of those tournaments. And he's providing resources for the community, so you can say, "Oh, that guy's really good at playing. Let me see what he's about." And if you just have a bunch of random names that you don't know who to go after, right? So like, it does benefit the community if people are wearing some sort of a branding at a tournament and they do well, right? It gives you more of a direction to say, "Okay, let me see what."
2: They're about there. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, obviously, you know, you being somebody that does focus more on the competitive side. Um, I do too. But, you Mm -hmm. know, you finish top four. Obviously, that gives you some validity. You know, I finished top thirty two at mine. It gives me some form of validity. I, I will say that was funny because um so
3: I've played enough card games at this point that uh I sort of have benchmark goals like my goal for this one was like top 16 so i didn't think about like top 16 versus top four to me it's kind of the same i just wanted the power level five Mm -hmm. um and you sort of want to do your best uh but i did notice a couple people in our discord were just very relieved that i did well and it it it, it was something i didn't even consider because they said you know their thought was
0: every day we rise challenging ourselves to work
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere. Playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: We're big fans of what you do. We want you to do well to show that what we believe in matters.
2: Yeah, no. (laughs) That's a hundred. I kind of had. There was people at our vault tour that said the same thing. Boy, am I glad you made day two. And I'm like, me too? thanks yeah and and they were like well <laughs> you know we listen to you and you know that you know it, it shows that you kind of know what you're talking about and mm-hmm. i'm like well you know i'm not going out here with you know I, I mean me personally i wouldn't go out there and be like i am a hardcore competitive player uh i went oh i went oh six at that point i'd probably <laughs> have to reevaluate what i was doing yeah and be like i'm a uh, hardcore competitive player oh and six maybe not Maybe not and and I've had some glorious uh flameouts in
3: tournaments, sure we all and have. i'm sure i'll have some i'm sure i've had some, i'll have some glorious ones in this game too uh so i again, I didn't think about it in those terms, but also I've never really been in a position where people are rooting for me um outside of like my friends mm-hmm. you know uh so I think that, that was that's a that, and again, that's like another benefit of teams, right you have a rooting interest. Right? Maybe there's a couple players from a couple teams you're interested in. You're like, I hope these guys do well. Whereas otherwise, like I feel like the first uh two vault tours, the only people we care about are the people that won. Mm-hmm. Right. So so Rachel being the first one to win a vault tour, she's relevant. Right. Right. But you're kind of like everyone else is garbage. And and they're not. Like they're just as good as I am. They're just as good as Brooks is, just as good as Corrigan. The difference is they weren't wearing a shirt. Right? Right. So Giving yourself some sort of a branding is a cool thing to do. Or even if you don't have your own show, you know, if you're good, contact Bouncing Deathquark, join our Discord. Maybe we, we have you fly our banner and then people can learn more about you, you
2: know? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's, that's sort of how I see it. I mean, I didn't see much branding at mine either, even though technically Adepticon was the third. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention because I was, you know, like exhausted. Because it was it was yeah. a fun uh, five hour or five hour three hour trip down with three children and my wife, and and a big time crunch of trying to get checked into the hotel and then getting me over to the to the community college at which it was hung out and then all that fun stuff in between, but you know it, it was I I maybe I just missed it, very possible. Um, I I will say that
3: that Denver. I was very surprised at how many people were wearing some sort of a shirt, which was great. I, I think I, I think it's good that I can go to a vault tour and it's like, oh, there's a the keyforge guys, there's the a Out guys, there's the bouncing death card people. Mm-hmm. You know, and then um I had a number of people just walk up to me and start talking to me. Right. And like, oh, I like your show here, this, this and this and, and then you're just chatting. Right. And it it's good because like I i've had a lot of tournaments um when i start out a game and i go to to an event and it's just a bunch of dudes sitting in a room and some of them have friends some of them don't and you're just kind of like okay i'm gonna sit here on my phone until the next round starts because i don't have any friends you know and if you're riding solo you could just walk up to the decks of keyforge guys and say hey guys i love your site i'm daniel um you know Here's my question I have for one of you guys, and then like one of them will start interacting with you and then you start a conversation, and, and like now you know someone
2: right you know? mm mm-hmm. no, I, like I that, think that's that's very,
3: fair. that's very inviting for the community.
2: and I think right now it's good for the community. It, mm-hmm. it shows that this is this is something going somewhere as opposed to just another card game yeah i I'm uh, very optimistic on this game uh in terms of
3: having legs, so yeah, uh, have you played a lot of FFG games before? Uh, not not a ton, but uh, my fair share. Okay, so one of the biggest problems with uh FFG games, in particular the LCG models, is it's not inviting to new players at all. Yes, I, and I've and so that. what ends up happening with LCGs is they have a big start because it's really good to get in early, and then it's very cheap to continue playing. But after like a year or so, it, the price to entry is just so high, and then the games are typically hard. So then people just start there's going to be natural attrition of the, card, of, of the card community, and then you don't have new blood coming in. And ideally in a game, you'd want the game to keep growing. Whereas mm-hmm. Keyforge, Forge, it's so easy to get into this game. And you know, cheap. And it's
2: so accessible. Don't forget that. Cheap, too. I mean, li- yeah. literally, I mean, I- ideally, it's 10 bucks, Minus yeah, all the and... accoutrement, but 10 bucks will get you into this game. Yeah, it gets you into the game. And also, being
3: competitive right now, dirt cheap. Yeah, like like there were a couple people that asked, they were saying, you know, I like when I was at the vault, they said, I don't like how there's decks that are selling online for hundreds of dollars. And what I said is I'm like, yeah, there's a couple chase decks, of course. Th- but those are more collectors items than hype. Like reality is if somebody stole my entire Key Forge deck like collection tomorrow and I had to go to a vault tour, I can go on eBay. And within an hour, I could find a competitive deck for less than 20 bucks,
2: you know, which is good and bad. <laughs> because we we've seen a, a cheap secondary market kind of kind of hurt games um Force of Will is one of those where the secondary market did kind of end up hurting the game now i i believe just in looking at that game's history there was a lot of things and i think keyforge can actually look to um Force of Will and and make some learning notes in there um
3: here's
2: here's a good question yeah what game has a better sealed format than KeyForge?
3: none none right (laughs) that's that's the case for it actually no there there is one game that you can make a case for and i think it is hearthstone right hearthstone arena is interesting but that's a digital game right so like at that point you're more in the video game realm than the card game realm Mm -hmm. like in terms of physical card games you're not getting a better deal than 10 bucks you show up to your local card shop pay 10 bucks get a deck maybe it's good maybe it's not Sling a couple cards and go home. Like that's great. Yeah, it's cheaper than a Magic draft.
2: Absolutely, <laughs> it, it is actually fifteen.
3: And you actually for... get a full deck, right? So if I go to a Magic draft, like I like playing limited in Magic, but what oftentimes would happen is like I would go there and then I would open whatever packs I open, and then after the tournament, I would go to the shop and be like, "Hey, are any of these worth money?" And then maybe I get like a buck or two for a rare, and then I just take the rest of the cards and give it to some kid because yeah. what am I gonna do with a forty card deck? You know, that's like. what that's what I just did with the last pre-release.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally, so, what I, just I mean, you like it. playing,
3: right? It's fun to just go in there and play, but I don't have anything I could take home. In keyboards, you always have something you can take home. You can go in there, you can get the experience of playing, and then you can just leave, and you still have a thing that you can use for next time potentially,
2: or or do nothing with. I mean, it, it, long story short, it maybe cost you ten dollars, which is really super cheap for any sort of entertainment. Yeah, and. And that's like also where, where, I think
3: as a community, we as content creators have a little bit of a responsibility, right? Because we want to make like the game itself as a product is really inviting to new players. And what we can do is having different types of content available. Maybe you have some casual content, you have some competitive content, maybe you have some you know for fun content, um, some learn to play stuff. You get enough of that content in, get those resources together. Now, if a new player comes in, not only can they get in super cheap they also can get good or at least be
2: entertained and invested in the game fairly quickly too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, But uh, I I think that's going to kind of, I mean, we tied our bow on teams and kind of the community here. So I kind of wanted to push into the next subject, which I thought would be very actually interesting to talk with you on uh, being Mm -hmm. more of the competitive side is mimicry. Now mimicry was one of those cards that we just had kind of a uh, quote unquote confusing rule. Whether mimicry itself, mimicry, the card counts toward the rule of six, and it was eventually came down from FFG, by my understanding and what I saw, is that mimicry is the one card that gets around the rule of six. What are your thoughts so, on that one? That that just feels wrong. So, like the way I look at it is,
3: but let's say I'm on an infinite library access, right, mm-hmm. and then I say mimicry for your Wormhole, right? The way I see it, both Mimicry and Wild Wormhole should be counted towards the Rule of Six in this scenario, right? Because you are playing both cards, right? Mm-hmm. Like like Mimicry, the card, it basically, you're playing the card Mimicry, and then Mimicry says it then gets the same effect as some other card. But you should still be playing the card Mimicry by name. Um, I, I don't know, like, is it the only justification I could think of it is that when you play Mimicry, it's card text makes the card not Mimicry. Correct. Right? Like, and that's really flimsy. Right? <laughs> that, that, makes, that makes more sense in a digital card game. Like a game like Hearthstone that makes sense. Where you say, if I play Polymorph on your creature and it's now a sheep. You no longer have like an Emperor Thor song or something, right? Like he, he, he no longer exists in your deck. So if you play a card that revives a random creature from your discard pile, you don't have that creature. You just have a sheep. Like that would kind of make sense in a digital game. It does not make sense in a physical game because you'd still have the card mimicry in your discard pile. Yep. And so, like, having that sort of name change thing
2: doesn't quite work. And, and, and here's my fear for it. Now, I understand where you're coming from. And originally, that's what I thought. I'm like, well, no, it's still Mimicry, right? You still played the card. Yeah. To, to get the effect of it, you still played it. And then I'm like, but when you play it, the active player gets to determine the order because there's no stack in this game. The active player gets to determine how things resolve. So he yeah. chooses to, I'm going to copy a card. I'm going to choose Wild Wormhole. Wild Wormhole resolves, and then Mimicry kind of just doesn't become a thing anymore. So therefore, I understand why they ruled the way they did. Now, here is my fear going into the future with this, um, and this has a lot to deal with with the future of KeyForge in general, and and my fears of continued sets is because they they said no car no deck will ever be out of contention for playing at an event, and I think mm-hmm. that was a bit premature to say that. Because I hope you don't print a card that says, "For every card you play this turn, gain an amber." Because then somebody's going to mimicry <laughs> somebody's mimicry to mimicry the mimicry to mimicry the mimicry. Do you see where I'm headed here?
0: Yeah. S- um.
3: So there, there's a there's, there's a couple points to this. Uh, let, let's let let's ignore the uh, the sets and contention thing, uh, simply because I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, as far as the rule of six goes. I feel like this is, like, FFG has a really bad habit of shooting themselves in the foot with things that are totally preventable, right? So, like, they cannot make a rulebook to save their life in <laughs> any of their games that they make. And they don't have floor rules for any of their games, and they don't, um, they don't do FAQs anywhere close to fast enough. And, and this is where, like, mimicry is kind of more the same, like, you told me this, or, like, yeah, this sounds like an FFG problem. Because, like, they have rule of six. Rule of six should just be there is no card effect that can go more than six times, right? So you have a hunting witch and you're playing a bunch of nature's calls, great. You're only getting six amber off of it, max. You got a library access, you want to triple it up, great. You're only drawing six cards, max. Bait and switch is only hitting for six, max. If you're going to play bad penny off of, uh, what's it called? Um, Seeker needle? The auto can't. Oh, well, the auto like, cannon. No, okay. like, like the auto cannon, right? Yep. The auto cannon, uh, bad penny plus soul snatcher. You only me six and off of it. That makes so much sense, right? Because it's it's a rule that I personally wouldn't have. I would just not make broken cards. But <laughs> like, okay, now, here's my thought, right? I was thinking at first I thought maybe FFG has some self awareness. They're like, okay, we're kind of incompetent when it comes to not making broken cards. Let's put in a rule that bails
2: us out, right? We're gonna have this right.
3: universal rule of six. Any sort of broken combo gets cut off at the
1: legs.
2: So and and like I'm just good. thinking about that too. When you're like, oh hey, let's not make broken cards, and, and we know that they've done that in the past. Also, let's bring on the guy who's basically known for making broken things. Let's have him design <laughs> a card game. That's what could go wrong. Yeah, I, I'm just like, uh, I, I, I'm thinking
3: they it'd be so easy to just make Rule of Six B. You can't have any effect count more than six times, right? That that cuts off the infinite library access. As for the mimicry issue. Yeah, the, the cloning of itself is pretty bad. But uh, but here, here be my question. So if I mimicry for your mimicry, like let's say there's yep. this card that says anytime you play a card, get an amber, right? Yep. So if I copy your mimicry to play your mimicry and then you copies back, wouldn't it all still be one mimicry in this scenario, right? If you're saying that the first mimicry doesn't count, right, it's not a card,
2: no matter how many times you clone it, it would still be one card, right? Like, right. Each card And I guess my example is probably non-stack. pretty bad. My my example is kind of bad because Mimicry hasn't hit the discard pile yet, so I don't think you can technically clone itself.
3: No, but I, uh, no. What, what I'm saying is, like, this scenario that you're bringing up mm-hmm. is more important to ask, like, okay, well, if you're going to say that the Mimicry disappears, while there isn't a quote-unquote stack, there is in this game. The stack is just not LIFO. It's just first player choice. Mm-hmm. And so, anytime you play a card or there's multiple effects that trigger, they go on a stack. It's just the active player gets to choose what order in the stack they go. So, like one of the big questions I have is if I play a one, a one health creature, right? And my opponent has Telaga and there's an auto cannon on the table and I have a hunting witch, what order does it go? Right, because all and the answer is I can choose. Right, I can say creature comes in, and then I'm going to choose the hunting, which triggers first. So now I get my amber. Then I'm going to choose the auto cannon trigger. Guy dies, and then the telega doesn't trigger because there's no guy anymore.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Right, Um, I don't love that, but that's how the the way the game works. And so when you have this mimicry saying, "Oh, it just vanishes off of the stack," that's weird, and and you shouldn't
2: (laughs) shouldn't uh, have that be part of the game. Right, I mean, my personal feelings on it are exactly what yours are. Mimicry, a hundred percent, should be, should be, part of the rule of six. Like it should not just be able to scoot around it. Um, it should count towards it. I get why you ruled the way you did, um, but my my main fear with this game uh, right now, especially looking at a lot of the Age of Ascension spoilers, not really knowing what cards are going to be reprinted, yada yada, so on and so forth is power creep. This is something that ha- that does hurt all games. Oh, yeah. Okay, so actually, th- this is a good time to talk about the evergreen nature of this game. Um,
3: FFG, in one of their many mistakes that they make in every card game, is they say all sets are going to be evergreen. They say this at the start of all of them, and then when they finally introduce rotation, it is way too late. Um, I like this version of evergreen more than any other version of evergreen. For the simple reason of, if you make a broken card in one set, you don't have to think about it for the entirety of the game. right? So, like, library access pretty, makes, pretty much makes any sort of cloning effect really dangerous, because you can just get two library access and draw your whole deck. Mm-hmm. But you could say, you know what, library access, we're going to keep it in set one. And then I'm going to make a card in set two that's just action, play a card in your discard pile. You know? Uh, not that big of a deal if you can't have library access in the same deck, right? Or, or like you mentioned Mimicry. What if they just say Mimicry, it's set one. We're not bringing it in otherwise. So you could, I mean, again, theoretically, th- this kind of comes back to don't make broken cards. But you can theoretically hedge your bets in the sense that it's like, OK, I don't have to worry about problem child cards because they're in other sets. And I'm only going to bring them into newer sets if I know that there's nothing in that specific set that hurts it.
2: Right. And I don't know. I just, I look at it like I said, power creep just kind of scares me. Because to say, like, yeah. they're always going to be available. Judy
1: was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
2: To continuously have us the byproduct, you're going to have to make the next set a little bit more powerful than the first. You have to give me a reason yeah. to move to the next set. And typically that reason is this set's more powerful. And then when we continue, yeah. so on and so forth, and as we we move through the sets, all of a sudden it becomes, well, it basically determines who rolls the dice uh, whoever rolled the highest basically goes first, and they win.
3: Yeah. So, um, um myself and Kodan are planning an interview with uh, Tyler Perry and he is a designer for FFG, but not for KeyForge. Okay. And so we're gonna go into a little bit of a set design, but uh, I'll give you like a little bit of a preview of one of the, one of my opinions, which is so. You said you need to give someone a reason to buy new cards, right? Mm-hmm. And there's two reasons that you would want to buy um the next set the first is the cards are stronger the second is the cards are different and i feel like games take way too long to try to get that second one and they just default to the first one so like a lot of times games will be like oh i see that there's this card here that's not really played that much like we'll just make a stronger niflite like we'll just make a a niflite that has six strength in the next set so that way people will actually give a give a damn about niflites right and that's just kind of their default. It's like, we'll just make stronger cards when there's always more design space, right? There's always more ways that you can do interesting things and you can make cards that are different, but at a similar power level to where people will be like, you know what? I kind of want to try the new stuff. Like that just looks fun. And and that's what I would hope happens with the new set. From From what I've heard, the way that they test out new sets is they basically play new sets against old sets. And then just see how their power levels shake out. Um, I hope that that works out, but but like yeah, power, power creep is a bit of a concern. And but that's every card game though. Like you you know when you're in the business like we
2: are playing card games, like right. you always have to be worried about that. Right, and it just I, I explain to me a little bit because I guess I got a little confused. What do you mean by different cards? Because I mean okay, really so- to entice somebody. To buy the new sure. set, it would always for me. I'm gonna personally default to stronger cards.
1: Do you know? Yeah,
3: I, I guess what I would what I would say is that there's ways that you can design cards that are that just do different things. So, for example, there's only one card in the game right now that discards cards out of your hand. My thought is, I would rather have like you know how there's like all these logos cards that say like, reap draw a card, action draw a card fight draw a card. If all of those just said discard a card instead, I would like that so much more. And it wouldn't be like drastically more powerful. Right? It'd be like a little bit better. But it'd more importantly be different.
2: So like, let, let's let see cards that say uh, discard a card. I don't know because I, I think a card that says discard a card is more powerful. Discard a card from your opponent's hand is more powerful than a card that says draw a card. No, 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 no. Discard a card from your own hand. Oh, from your own hand. Okay, never mind. Yeah, just
3: just for handcrafting. I think it's stronger, but it's not like laughably stronger. Right. Also, like a different thing that I would like to see happen is I'd like to see like one turn immunity cards for kill spells. Right? So like right now, building a board's kind of dicey. Like taunt and protect are not that great right now just because they can always play a gateway on you. Yeah. But what if you had a card that's like, hey, your taunt guy? Are immune to board wipes or something. That'd so be almost an
2: indestructible keyword. Um, I don't know if I want that or a, necessarily. Or a like, timed just, indestructible. Like,
3: yeah, or or like a temporary hex proof or something. Yeah. I just think that because that, again, that's not like what's really powerful right now in the game is just that like there's too many cards that have amber, right? Yeah. So like racing decks are just too strong. Um, or like we see in the new set, they have Grump Buggy, which just says keys are going to cost way more. Is that much stronger? Well, it's stronger against racing decks, but also, like, from what I've seen, like, the newer set, like, let's say the new set becomes really heavy on Amber Control. They're, like, the board control that's available in the first set is actually insane. It's just nobody plays it because it's not good right now in the meta. So if you introduce different stuff, like, if you say, hey, we're going to introduce some actual Amber Control, now a deck that has, like, four trolls becomes a beast, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> So I would just like to see them play with the design space more. And and this isn't just Keyforge, this is all games. Right? I just I wish that more games would try to just do different things with the card pool. And then if if you make something that is too strong, just ban it. Because
2: also FFG doesn't ban cards for some reason. I guess the problem with banning, and especially in this game, is I couldn't imagine a worse feeling than Let's just say they go okay for whatever reason. We're banning library access. Mm-hmm. Wow, is that tough for a new player to open up that deck and oh, it's got this pretty neat old card called library access, and then you decide to find out that your deck is illegal because it has that card in there. Um, I I think yeah I, I hear what you're saying. I think a lot of times with banning the
3: the problems that exist with banning are preventable. So first off, you don't have to ban a card forever, right? Maybe a temporary ban. Or, also, why don't you ban pairs of cards? So, like, library access is fine. Seed is fine. But a deck that contains both seed and library access, you can't play in Chainbound tournaments okay. or uh, Vault tours. You know, like, you can do things of that nature that are fine. Because, like, I feel like FFG will just jump to a rata way too fast. And to me, a rat is way worse than bans. Hmm. Like, you're just saying that card's text is just different now? That's a bigger concern,
2: I think. Uh, I mean, for me, I guess it's not for me. The ban, I think, is more, and, and I'm looking at more of you know the, the first timer or um, even just sales, I guess, and maybe that's just my my way I do it. But a ban, I think, would hurt it. I I think would hurt the community more than an errata.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get what you're
3: saying about the invalid decks. You can also ban specific decks potentially. Yeah. Um, or, or you can ban decks with very specific combos, right? So maybe you say library seed is fine, but if your
2: deck has library plus C plus phase shift, now it then becomes it's banned, not right? okay. I, I right? just, like, I mean like- personally, I, I, and I think the way we fix us, and I think it's already there, um, is the power levels. So yeah, you went to your local vault tour, you won it once. The vault tour, for whatever reason, decides not to interpret chains into it and I, I don't understand necessarily why um i i love the way vault tours
3: work so my my biggest problem that i have with the chain bound system is it's supposed to encourage casual play
0: mm-hmm. right the, the theoretical
3: benefit of the of the chain bound system is like you can't just bring your same deck over and over again because it's going to get chained and it's going to become harder to play so play your fun decks and stop being a dick right that's <laughs> the idea behind chain bound events. Yeah. Um, we all now, wanted to say it, which is none of us have. Okay, now here's the problem, though. We know that getting chains increases your power level, and so they said in one of the casts that there's going to be events that are going to require decks that are power four and higher. Which I, like, I, some people like me interpreted that as if you want to get to worlds, you're going to need at least a power four deck, mm-hmm. right? Um. So now, if I if I want to start grinding a deck to get more power, I have to bring my best deck to my local event and just start crushing people every single week with the same deck. That's a bad way to go about it. Like, In order to have my deck qualify for competitive events, I have to go to casual events and just kick the shit out of everybody.
2: Right, unless you're going to go, go to a large event.
3: Or, or you... Or, and, but the Vault Tour solves that, right? So you can say, look, if, you, if you're going to be competitive and you want to go to Worlds or whatever, great. You can grind it out at your local scene or just go to a Vault Tour and try to get top 16, mm-hmm. right? If you make, if you go to three Vault Tours and you're a good player, you'll get top 16 in one of them. Right. And now you have a deck that qualifies
0: for
2: Worlds. <laughs> We're trying. We're trying, crew. <laughs> We're trying to get to Origins and then maybe Gen Con. But, I mean, like, that that to me is
3: a much better system. Right. To... To do that, I wouldn't ever want. I don't want the chains to be ways to balance decks for competitive play, simply because it leads to the situation where players will have a good deck and just not play it due to the chains. Right? No, no, no. So, okay, so like, let, let's say, let's say FFG comes down with this thing where they say, okay, every deck that is, you know, chains ten or more is banned for competitive play, or something, right? Or or, the chains are actually going to get used in the tournament. So why would I, if I have a really good deck, why would I ever play it? I, I would just sit on it and wait until the big tournament and come in fresh and kill everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something I wouldn't want. I would want, I want players if they have good decks to play them. Like I thought it was great that in the in net deck tournament, one of the guys from Dex Keyforge, he has this deck. It's called Echo Gamer, which like the community is really hyped on. And he brought it to the Denver Vault Tour, and I mean, lost, but brought it. Right? He wasn't sitting on that deck until Gen Con or Worlds to play it. He's like, first Vault Tour, I I have, I'm going, and I'm playing my best deck, and I'm going to see what happens
2: with it. Do you think that was more okay? And I get that. And I actually, your side of the coin was a side of the coin I never really thought of. Um, so thank you for that. I do appreciate that. I'm sure. Um, but just thinking, like, I mean, for me, I was kind of the same way. I, I had this good deck. I wanted to play. I wanted some some competition for it, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of. Uh, I don't want to say it's like the best deck in my area, but it's probably one of the better decks in the area. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to see what this does against a, re- a quote unquote real deck. Yeah, a deck that is also as competitive as itself. Because I can sit here and look at the numbers all I want, and I can I can crush kind of, you know, m- mid-power decks all I want. I want to see what this does against the baddies, you know? So, I mean, yeah. and maybe that's just the competitive side in me. And maybe I wasn't being very smart, and I should have just, you know, scrounged it away to Worlds or something. I don't know. But, I you know, I wanted to know what it was capable of and what it wasn't. And you played it at the Voltour? I did, and it lost its first game. I mean, shit happens. Yeah, no, I did. It, it, you ever just go up, a, you know, against a deck that's your pure antithesis? Mm-hmm. That's what happened, and it was just like that's looking at his card. I'm like, this deck does everything the opposite of what my deck wants. That's not good. Like this is this is this deck's nemesis. Like, it will beat it <laughs> 60-40, you know what I mean? Like, most of the time it's going to win, and that kind of sucked. And then, of course, the deck I didn't think would do very well, which was my third deck, I was like, well, you know, this, this, this is the end. It's not going to do very well. Ends up going three and one for no particular reason, just because it could, you know. But then there was another deck, so I, we we had kind of gone down in a group of us. Mm-hmm. The deck that my my one buddy played, he ended up getting in the top eight. I have taken that deck to the woodshed so many times with each one of the three decks that I brought, yet he mm-hmm. made it to the top eight. And I was just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, it was just. Uh, it was do you think the... that he played better than you did, or did he just run hot? Um. Well, I mean, I got to see a lot of his opponents. Um. Mm-hmm. Maybe he played better than I did because obviously I, we were playing at the same time most of the time. So maybe he was more focused than he is when we normally play together. I don't know. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with pairings as well, just how the gem software works. Uh he ended yeah. up going five and one day one, but with a lighter strength of schedule than me. Uh, yeah. I mean so, it happened. um
3: I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress too much on the final placement. I, I think that what people oftentimes forget about tournaments is that, you know, while the best players will generally be at the top over and over again. Mm. They're not gonna win every single time. Right. Like let's say let's say Corey Thin's the best Keyforge player in the world, right? Like we'll just spot him that. If he goes to five Vault Tours, he wins maybe one. Right. If he's lucky. Right. And that's just that that's the nature of card games. And so I, I think one of the things that I saw at the Vault Tour that I thought was just is there were people that were playing their best deck first. And I'm thinking, like, do you are you really arrogant enough to think that you're just going to go six zero in Swiss and then also
2: sweep all the way to the finals? Um, like that's insane. <laughs> I think I think you're as well correct as insane because I didn't go my best deck first. Um, I went two. Where did I go? I went two one three, um, thinking cool. that just with how it was going to go, um, that the deck, my second deck, that, which is my best deck, would have moved to day two. That's not how it happened, um, uh-huh. which is just, it's one of those, you know, like I said, when it lost, I just was like, well, you know, it's one of those unfortunate events that just, it happens, you know? It's... Yeah, and
3: and so I remember there were two fairly high-profile decks inside of the Denver Vault Tour that both lost in Swiss. One was a deck, I forget what its name was, but it had four copies of Routine Job, yep. and the other one's the Echo Gamer deck in question, and they both lost like round four or five. and I remember one guy was, like, kind of salty that his deck lost, and I'm thinking, like, yeah, that's what happens. You're going to lose a the game. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There's going to be the game from hell. Your opponent's going to high roll, or you're going to low roll, or it's going to be a bad matchup. And, I mean, that's why you have a top cut, right? That's why you go Swiss. You're usually afforded at least one loss in Swiss that you can mitigate. And then in the cut, you roll the dice. You know, that, that's how it goes. And, like, losing in the first round of the cut or the fourth round of the cut like, pretty much equally likely
2: they're all good players they all have great decks you know yeah so i mean that's that was my ideas yes i i number one i'm going to eat a loss somewhere at least one Mm -hmm. so i don't want to put my best deck forward and have that one be gone you know so let's pray for five and one i guess and clearly i should have prayed for four and two and, and and gone about it that way but Knowing my luck, that would have been the deck, and be like, "Oh, that's the deck you're playing on day two, anyways." So I was like, Ugh, whatever." It, it it was what it was. Um, I had fun regardless. I had a, I had a great yeah. time. So let's move on into Mars House. Now, you guys recently uh, released uh, an episode that specifically talked about Mars, and I was a big fan of that episode because Mars number one, I believe, is a polarizing house. Um, mm-hmm, you either love it or you don't. <laughs> and it's a, such an odd house to play.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think what makes Mars uh, different from all the other houses is that there's so many Mars cards that are conditional on having certain board states, right? So I think a lot of times people get lost in like having extra Mars cards. It's not necessarily having other Mars cards. It's just like megamouth needs you to have a non-Mars card. Mm-hmm. John Smith needs a Mars card. Um, what's it called? Orbital bombardment needs cards in hand um in your hand. Mothership support needs cards on the board. Psychic needs cards on the board. Um, so it's just very different. Whereas like I feel like most other houses, by and large, their cards are just good, I guess. It's like mother's just always good, right? Um lab work's always decent. Miasma's Either sometimes does nothing, sometimes is awesome. But like those those cards aren't dependent on you having a certain texture of your board or a certain combination of cards in your hand for the most part. But Mars, Mars. almost all of them do, and I think that's what makes them interesting. That you need to think a little bit more when you're playing Mars.
2: Right, and I, I you know we were talking a little bit before we started. I like to call them, uh, you know, the jack of all trades. They do a little bit of this, and they do a little bit of that, and they do a little bit of this. And if you can get a house that's built with one goal in mind, you're going to have a pretty solid Mars house. But more yes, times for... than not, you see it with, it's got three or four different goals in mind, and it just kind of never works together.
3: Yeah. So uh, for those that haven't listened, we basically, I mean, we, we talk about house rules in terms of burst support, and main houses, and so what we said for Mars, by and large, I mean that, like generalizing, we said, your main house Mars, you want cards that say, you know, you get this big benefit if you have guys on the board. Your burst houses are like Mars cards that say, if you have Mars cards in hand or instant activations, like say Squawker or something, like cards that that benefit you for building a really big Mars hand. That's kind of how we differentiated burst and name and then for support we said get the mars cards that have passive abilities right that's where you get like your dominators and your grabber jammers those types of cards but then also kill spells and stuff Mm -hmm. um that's mostly how we ordered them uh something that i mentioned to you before the the show and that um myself and Codammer haven't quite figured out when we're going to do this but we're going to definitely do a part two for mars and i think that'd be a cool thing for us to talk about which is the rares in Mars are the wildest rares in this game. They they do mm-hmm. they do such nutty
2: stuff, and that they're typically they're good, form. and they're typically in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can stop me if I'm wrong, but yeah, typically the rares in Mars are the ones that will determine what your deck wants to do, and yeah. then you'll check for backup. I guess basically, can you do it? Yeah, so um, when we do our House Rolls
3: episodes, right, we try not to mention rares too much because for the most part, if you open a deck, you're not going to have a rare. But like if you open a random untamed deck, you're probably going to have either a Witch of the Eye or the Hunting Witch, right? So it's better for us to talk about commons than uncommons because that gives you a better idea of what to do. And so we might occasionally throw a rare here or there that we might mention. And in Mars, we're like, we we don't want to mention any of these rares because these rares are all crazy. You know? Uh like yeah, I think the only rares we mentioned are like the bad rares. But like you think about something like Compod. Compod makes any Mars list you have a burst house mm-hmm. <laughs> like by itself. Yep. Because it does such nutty things. And then also like with if you have a Compod, you might take turns where you're like, I'm gonna hold these two cards and not play them just to be able to re-trigger Mars guys on the board. That's weird. Yep. You know? <laughs> Um, like this phosphorus Stars becomes good. It becomes a squawker.
2: Right. <laughs> no. it, 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 yeah, inevitably. And then they got just a strange card. Like uh who's it? Gromid? Yeah, Grammid. where You can't play creatures. Like and he just makes it clunky. You know what I mean? It's just yep. I don't know. I, I just feel like if you get a Mars house that is constructed well, Mm-hmm. it is a they you know and I, I understand where you guys are you know the burst the main and the support if you get yeah. a, if you get a Mars house that does one of those three things well they are very solid and very good to play but one deviation yeah, I, means eh, it might be a little clunky and and I think that's where the polarization comes right
3: like so if you if you have a lot of Mars decks that just don't have a clear direction Mars looks like trash but if you have a bunch of Mars decks that just make sense, Mars is great. Right. And and I, I fall into the Mars is great. I have a couple Mars decks that um they just they make a lot of sense. And I'm like, this house is fantastic. It does so many cool things. And, and all of my Mars decks that are good, the Mars house in those decks do wildly different things, mm-hmm. which is what's fun. You know, like that you can have such diverse game plans within Mars.
2: Yeah, I got two awesome, I got two ones that I like to play. Uh, one is the Sir N Beard Blossom, for those of you guys who you guys have probably seen it once or twice. Um, basically, it's get clunky dudes out on board and Hypnotic Command to just take all their Ember. Um, and then the other one I have is a Double Megamouth, Double John Smith deck, which doesn't rate very oh. high in anything. But boy, is it a lot of fun to play. Yeah, so if you have
3: like a double Mega Mouth, John, double John Smith, if you just have like a couple big dudes in mm-hmm. other houses that can just live long enough for your Mars board to get developed,
2: now it's like those Mega Mouths. Oh just yeah, it's got Pit Demons board. and Snudges for oh, its yeah. disc side. So you know, all of a sudden now you're readying, readying, reaping, reaping. Oh, by the way, now you only you know have like three cards in your hand. Um, good luck. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's a ton of fun, and it has a direction. But then I've got decks that have four phosphorus stars in it, and no Mars creatures, or yeah, like I was two Mars that, creatures. That the, uh, so
3: there's certain Mars creatures that stun themselves, right? You have like uh, uh, Dominator. Dominator. There's also and um, uh, what,
2: what, what's, the, the, the rare word? one,
3: uh, the
2: Chuff Ape? Yep. He uh,
3: there's also cards like um emp blast which hose your whole mars board um he abduction is like kind of weird sometimes like it, it hurts you so the, there's times where you're looking at mars and you're saying i don't like that i have these guys that don't do anything like if i play a dominator i might not actually get to use that dominator like really use it until like six turns from now because like three turns from now is when I actually unstun it and then three turns after that is when I actually get to use it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's like this card does nothing. So like you unless you protect something. You know, if you protect something that's that's valuable, now the dominator's really putting in work. But you know, if you're just looking at Mars and like all these dudes just stun themselves and they don't do anything, that can feel pretty bad too. Like like Zorg is trash.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, no, he's
2: He seemingly garbage. never lives long yeah. enough to Yeah he doesn't let you Play creatures either does he
3: No he does, does uh, Zorg, Zorg is a guy that says he comes in stunned And then when he attacks his before fight ability Is he stuns the guy he's attacking And the guy's next to him And he's 7 strength
2: okay. so, so really strong text When in... he comes he... in stunned so it's like who cares You know you're not going to use him Right oh yeah yeah That's the guy yeah I had a deck once with two gromads. And I was just like, what? How does this even work? And it was the only two creatures on that side of the board. So, I mean, maybe it was kind Uh, of good, but you can't play any creatures.
3: Yeah, Gromit, he's so I I think Gromit, he wants to be played with swap widget. I'm sorry, you broke up real quick. What did you say? I think he wants to get played as swap widget. So I think the way Gromit is supposed to work is like you have him on the board he hits a guy they lose an amber and then you swap widget to get him off the board mm-hmm. and you just have like a big disc or a big mars board and just use him in a main house and just keep triggering mars every turn but every time you pick up a new mars card like ideally it'd be like if you have like an invasion portal swap widget Bromid setup it's really it'd be really easy to get him out of the way play your creatures
2: and then do all the things you want to do yeah unfortunately that setup was not the, the setup i had was not that one <laughs> I think yeah. it had like mother guns in it. And I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't remember. It's, it's long since it's gone. Um, but yeah, it's just really odd build. But I mean, I don't know. I dig them. I, I, I would tell you, give Mars a shot. Give them yeah, a shot. I,
1: I'm
3: in, in general, I'm a really big fan of cards that have some sort of self inflicted downside, but are really strong. Mm-hmm. So like I love Pit Lord, a- as a card design. Oh, as as um, the design itself. Yeah, just just I like cards that are like here. This card Cause is. I'm thinking. I'm
2: like, man. Every time I pull a Pit Lord, I'm kind of like, oh, how do I get around it? So yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: So some decks he's going to be trash, but other decks you you're, you're going to be like, oh, I play Pit Lord, then I play Three Fates, and now that he becomes a boot like Dust Pixie, or right. maybe I have a way to instantly kill him, right? Like like maybe or maybe I have like a really strong disc setup. And I'm okay calling this over and over again. And now this pit lord is this nine health taunt guy who also gave me two amber. You know, like, just cards like that that are like, you get this awesome ability, but also it, it can bite you if you get it at the wrong time. I like cards like that. Like, like any sort of card that forces you to really take that extra layer of thinking mm-hmm. is fun. And Mars has a lot of those cards, which is, uh, I, again, what I think makes them fun that you have to think a little bit more
2: well and their their art's pretty their art's pretty on point
3: yeah some of the art in this game is not great the mars art is generally awesome Uh, like battlefleet mars card i I
2: really haven't liked yet so
3: okay so battlefleet has maybe the best art in the game Mm -hmm. that card is trash though so like i I always have mixed feelings about (laughs) about that card in terms of whether or not I like it, because it's like, I like playing the card just because it looks so pretty, but then I'm like, this card does nothing. That's kind of a bummer.
2: Really? I got a lot of people who who really like Battlefleet.
3: Uh, Battlefleet's good if it's broken, right? Like if you have like a triple Battlefleet deck and you draw your whole deck, it's great.
2: Yeah. My
3: biggest problem with Battlefleet is that more often than not, here's how it goes. You wait a bunch of turns and you're taking a bunch of low impact plays to try to build up your Mars hand, right? So now you have like a six hand like you have six Mars cards in your hand finally. You play Battle Fleet, you draw five cards, and you get like one, maybe two Mars cards out of it. And that's it. And and like that's that doesn't offset all the turns that you wasted crafting up that Mars. Right. Unless you know you know like unless you have like a key abduction.
2: And that's why I'm like that card's only good if it's broken. It's so like it it can be broken with key of I, I was a little curious when you're like, it's only good if it's broken. I'm like, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you? What well, do you it, mean? like I actually
3: I have a similar opinion of library access. Like I actually don't think library access is that good of a card.
2: In no, library access, access in itself is just a very mediocre card. But when it's broken, it's great, right? <laughs> like there's certain cards that are like that where it's like, like so. Bad
3: penny is also kind of like that too. Right. Um. Bad penny. In this current set doesn't have a lot of ways to break it, right? Like, the, the combo of, like, Soul Snatcher plus Auto Cannon and then you Bad Penny for Six Amber, pretty rare. But that's, like, another one of those cards that you could pretty easily see and say, you know what, if, if like, this were, like, a regular trading card game, that card's busted. Right. right? Like, it's, and, and there's certain cards that are like that where it's, like, it's either bad or it's broken. And I feel Battlefleet falls into that category where it's, like, Either bad or broken, and most of the time it's just bad. And I, people I never notice saying. how bad it is. Like they like they always forget how many turns they wasted trying to set up the battle fleet. So when they say, "Oh, I played battle and I got two new Mars cards out of it," this was a good turn. It's like, no, that turn was trash because you had three bad turns before that. Right. <laughs> I, I get what you're
2: saying by broken now. Uh, so yeah. I was I was kind of like I was I was a little confused at the beginning. Where you're like, "Well, it's 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 good when it's broken." And uh, <laughs> no, I get what, I get what you're saying. now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say that
3: about a couple cards in in different games where I'm and, like, and I can completely agree. with Like,
2: bad penny is a hand clogger nine times out of ten. Um yep. you know, unless you've got card advantage, you're kind of she's just kind of there. Unless you, you know, you have like you said the auto cannon or like four seeker needles or you know, yeah, some crazy way just to continuously make sure she's you know not there and is hurting your bad. opponent immensely by the way okay let's talk about bad penny
3: i think bad penny gets a little bit of a bad rap like she's like i know in one of my chat groups she's like it's it's sort of dogma to say that she's bad but on the other hand i'm like look sometimes you want a relentless whispers and there's no guy that's able to get killed by it bad penny can always mm-hmm. sometimes you need a secret needle for value and she always does that uh, sometimes you need to pawn sacrifice and she does that um, but on balance she 's still probably bad, but she's not i think as bad as people realize well she has her Romantic. roles
2: that yeah. she can play but again she's got to have she's got to have that back end to support her if she doesn't have the support, she just becomes a hand clogger mm-hmm. you know so I mean, yeah, if you got the couple Seeker needles upon sacrifice say real you know a couple relentless whispers uh you know yeah bad penny's great in that deck I hope you get too yeah I'll no, because... hey, by the way, so
3: there, there's a card in Mars that is just busted in pretty much all scenarios, and it's um what's it called uh brainstem antenna. Okay. That card should not be allowed to be played on non-Mars cards, I don't think. like I, I think that card,
2: in particular with witch of the eye is disgusting. Thankfully, it's a rare. Oh, brain, I was like, I know the card, and I'm, I'm just reading it now, and I'm like, why is it so busted? Uh, So, for those of you who don't know, brainstem Antenna is an upgrade. This creature gains, after you play a Mars creature, ready this creature, and for the remainder of the turn, it belongs to House Mars. That that could get, yeah. I mean, but if you're, I mean, I guess, I, I can see it being, getting out of hand. But again, if you've only got three or four Mars creatures, how busted could it be? Well, it's just turning, um,
3: Witch of the Eye into a Mars card. Thankfully, Rule of Six kind of poses this a little bit, mm-hmm. but if you turn Witch of the Eye into a Mars card, you could just squawker it a bunch of times. Yeah. Because you could, like, squawker untaps, then reap, get the squawker
2: back, and just, like, do it oh, all over again. Oh, and just continuously get the. Right... Yeah. I mean, but anything yeah, you so gotta... the, that's another three card combo like you have to have. You got to have the brainstem and ton of the Witch of the Eye and the squawker or you could just be like my daughter and pull a deck with three witch of the eyes. You know, big <laughs> a, oh and uh and a Maverick ghostly hand and disc for whatever particular reason. <laughs> uh, you could just have her kind of luck. That that works well too. But, you know, there's one thing I I you and I, I should have done it at the beginning of the show. But go ahead, let's get your plugs out there. I know most yes. people probably already know who you are. But just in case okay. there are some that don't.
3: Right, so yeah, this is uh I am Caremo I am from Bouncing Deathquark. The easiest way to find us is just Google at Deathquark, right? That we have a Twitter, we have a Facebook, we have a Discord. Um, we are primarily a podcast, um, but also my co-host, Co he does streaming on the side. So if you look up his name on YouTube, you can find um, our commentary on stuff if you want. Like we actually did the top thirty-two, that uh, for the Denver Vault Tour. And I can commentate on two of the games that I was on stream on, and I definitely criticize some plays that I had in the top four in particular. Uh, and and also we criticize our other people too. So like, you know, if if you want to see like high level play and then still see people bitch about decisions, even their own decisions, come watch us uh, see our own games. You know, it's,
2: it's <laughs> like the I I just was I was playing obviously in the. Uh the pre-release for war of the spark. And, uh, one of the guys I played against has, uh, card sleeves that says, what does it say? Untap upkeep, draw misplace, <laughs> misplace <laughs> scoop, cry. And I was like, those are great. I love those. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for joining me, uh, this yeah, week. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And we will see you guys all
1: next week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Archon's Corner, hosted by The Wookiee. Make sure you follow The Wookiee on Twitter at Iam underscore The Wookiee. On Facebook, The Wookie, On Instagram at Iam underscore The Wookiee. And on YouTube, The Wookiee.